now, The Whole Home Show with Tony Joe on CFAX 1070. Hey there, everyone. You're listening to The Whole Home Show, and I'm Tony Joe. Our show is brought to you every week in part by Denise Webster, mortgage broker with Dominion Lending Services Modern Mortgage Group, Carrie Augustini, insurance manager for Island Savings, and Carrie Smith, home inspector from InspectTech. If you need an opinion from experts who are in the areas of insurance, mortgages, or building inspection, give these guys a call. Denise, Carrie, and Carrie are great people to talk with. They're very approachable. They'd be happy to help you. If you want their contact information, just go to the CFAX 1070 website. Look under Shows. You'll find us, The Whole Home Show, with me, Tony Joe. Their contact information is all there. Or you can always find me online or social media. I would be happy to introduce you. Uh, happy to be your host on this program, and I have done so for uh, some time now. Really enjoy my time here at the station every week with you. My background is as a local realtor. I've been helping people buy or sell their homes for 27 years. I've seen virtually every circumstance or situation you can imagine when it comes to buying or selling a home. Uh, I've also been an instructor for our provincial association, the British Columbia Real Estate Association. Uh, I have been instructing new licensees and uh, agents who are maintaining their um, their licenses. Uh, so I also do a number of courses, and I get to see uh, a lot of new and experienced agents in different uh, levels of their career. Uh, so if you need some help in real estate, uh, feel free to give me a call. I'd be happy to help you. Uh, our website for my real estate team, the Prime Real Estate Team, is primeteam.ca, or of course you can go to the CFAX website. The speculation tax on properties here in British Columbia remains a really hot topic. The provincial government introduced the tax, along with a number of other things, in an effort to curb the out-of-control property values that are that were happening here and also hopefully to create affordability. Today with us is the leader of the Green Party of British Columbia, Andrew Weaver. He's also the MLA for Gordon Head Oak Bay and he's going to talk about these taxes relative to home ownership and affordability. It's going to be a great conversation. Uh, but as always, let's start our show with our weekly listener question. If you have a question or curiosity about real estate, give us a call. Our hotline number is 250-414-6540. That's 250-414-6540. Or again, visit the CFAX 1070 website. And we'll discuss it on the air. I had an email from Georgia. And the email reads, uh, I'm getting into the market. I'm curious to know what you've experienced from first-time buyers. What are their typical fears and concerns? Uh, thanks, Georgia. Great question. And actually, I thought about this this morning. Uh, there's a lot to cover, uh, but I will give you and the listeners uh, a few bullet points that uh, hopefully will help you out. So the biggest concern that uh, people, not just first-time buyers, by the way, but anybody uh, is concerned about typically is overpaying. You're looking at buying a property. The concern is, are you going to overpay? And especially in what was a really white-hot marketplace where it was competitive, you had to compete with two or three or 10 or 20 other offers to get a property. You need to overbid for it. You need to go in without conditions, which is risky, by the way. Um, the concern is always, if I get this house, how do I know I didn't overpay? Well, the good news, first of all, is that white-hot market is no longer with us. So we still see multiple offers. They're just rare now, whereas they were commonplace uh, for a couple of years here in Greater Victoria and also in Vancouver as well, too. 
Uh, so in a more uh, balanced marketplace, there is a process. So the first thing is, uh, presumably, you're going to require bank financing. Uh, if you do, uh, Denise Webster from Dominion Lending Services, our uh, show sponsor here, she will tell you that your bank will require an appraisal of the property. And the reason why they need to do that is because big bank, you know, it's uh, the big organization, uh, they need to know that, first of all, what you're buying is a is a good property. See, they're giving you the money, so they want to make sure that their risk is minimized. They want to make sure the roof isn't going to collapse. They want to make sure the house isn't going to float away in a tsunami or something like that. Um, but most importantly, they, all, they also want to make sure that what you're paying is reasonable. So an appraiser comes out. The appraiser is um, a professional appraiser, unbiased, uh, and their job is to uh, basically determine what the value of the property is so that the bank has a record of that and says, okay, well, uh, Georgia paid $500,000 for this house. We see it's worth $500,000. We're good to go now. If the appraisal comes in and says the house is only worth four fifty, dollars well, there's a complication there because you're not going to be able to get either not going to be able to get the mortgage or you will have to come up with the difference of the appraised value in your purchase price, which in that case would be $50,000. Most people can't afford that, so the sale doesn't happen. That's kind of like your built-in security for making sure that you're not overpaying for a property. You know, the other thing, too, is presumably uh, any buyer who's been out there who's been looking around in the neighborhood, looking at similar houses, not only at similar houses that are on the market right now, but also things that have recently sold. So it's pretty easy for you. The agents do this. This is what we do for, for a living. It's our, our, our career. Um, but what you can do is determine what the value of a house is based on other homes that you've seen, you've gone through, you've experienced them, and you also know that the house down the street sold for four seventy-five. You know, another one around the corner sold for five twenty-five. Maybe that one had a new kitchen. The house you're looking at doesn't, and it's five hundred thousand. Boom. You know that it's reasonable. Now, if those houses are selling for four seventy-five and five twenty-five, and you're looking at the same house but it's six hundred thousand dollars, I think you'll know pretty clearly that that's a little too—not a little too much money. That's a lot too much money, uh, especially again in today's marketplace. So, there are those uh, protections in place. Um, something else that people often bring up is uh, choosing the neighborhood. How do they know that they're going to choose the right neighborhood, especially if they're coming from out of town? It's easy for those of us who are born and raised here in town. We know locations that we want to live by or ones that we wouldn't. We know uh, how long it takes to get from point A to point B during traffic hour and things like that. If you're coming from another town, which I don't know if you are or not, uh, you're going to need help in that area. And uh, the first thing you're going to need to do is rely on or lean on your realtor. So make sure that person knows exactly what you're looking for. When we first meet a buyer, we ask a number of questions. We want to know where work is for you, what your work hours are. We want to know uh, what your hobbies are. Are you into recreation? Do you need to be close to parks? Do you need to be close to golf courses? Do you need to be close to recreation centers, uh, schools? So important, crucially important now because, of course, um, schools are in catchment areas. So uh, where you buy a house will really determine where your kids will go to school. Some schools are, um, you know, have programs that other schools don't have. So you can't just assume that if you buy a house in one area, you'll be able to go to the school that you have in mind because that is not necessarily true. Uh, so that's important. Um, the other thing you're going to want to do is hang out in the neighborhood for a while. 
uh, on your own time. Don't be rushed. Go to the local coffee shop. Doesn't need to be a Starbucks or Tim Hortons, maybe even a local one as well too. Sit around for a while. Listen to people. See them interact with each other. Go to parks. Go to the uh, the local municipal parks. Get a sense of the uh, people that are coming in and out. Um, and that will give you a good indication of if the neighborhood is a fit for you. And the other thing too, which is not unreasonable, is if you see in a house that you like, um, walk up and down the street and try to get to know the neighbors. Ask them about what it's like. You'll find out if there's if there's other kids in the street. If you have kids, that's going to be important. Uh, if you don't have kids and you're retired and you don't want kids, that's another way to figure that out as well too, is just suss the neighbor neighborhood out uh, and get a good feel of uh, what, it's, uh, what it's all about. Um, and the other one too is uh, resale. What is the resale potential of the house going to be like? So one of the metrics that we use when we're helping people buy a house is, uh, Georgia, we're helping you find a home. I want to know that when you ask me to resell it for you in five years or 10 years, I must be assured that I will be able to sell it for you and that you will receive a reasonable rate of return. Uh, there are some houses that have huge uh, detriments, uh, you know, maybe no yard, rocky uh, garden, all these other things that will be difficult to resell. I'm going to let you know because I would rather let you know now uh, than have to have to tell you later, well, maybe you should have bought this house, Georgia. Uh, those are some of the questions that uh, people often ask us, and I hope they come in handy for you, Georgia. For everyone else, if you have a question you'd like us to air, just give us a call, 250-414-6540, uh, or go to the CFAX website. By the way, if you're a podcast listener, listen in. Uh, the iTunes or Google Play uh, uh, resources have the whole home show with me, Tony Joe, uh, so you can listen at your leisure. Uh, our guest after the break here is Dr. Andrew Weaver, leader of the Green Party of British Columbia. We'll be talking about speculation tax, housing affordability, and a number of other things. We'll be back in just a moment. You're listening to The Whole Home Show with Tony Joe on CFAX 1070. Thanks for coming back. You're listening to The Whole Home Show, and I'm Tony Joe. Our guest today is Dr. Andrew Weaver. And, of course, most, if not all of our listeners know who Andrew is. You've seen him around town here. Uh, I'll tell you a little bit about his background here. Dr. Weaver currently serves as a member of the Legislative Assembly for Oak Bay Gordon Head. Before his election, Dr. Weaver served as Canada Research Chair in Climate Modeling and Analysis in the School of Earth and Ocean Sciences at UVic. Uh, he had been a lead author on the second, third, fourth, and fifth intergovernmental panel on climate challenges scientific assessments. He's authored or co-authored co over 200 peer-reviewed scientific papers. He was the chief editor of the Journal of Climate from 2005 to 2009. He's a fellow of the Royal Society of Canada Canadian meteorological, meteor, oh, that's a hard word. Okay, let's stop. Okay. <laughs> You've done a lot. Um, I, I want to finish off here, though, because in 2008, uh, you were appointed the Order of BC and in 2013 awarded Queen's Diamond Jubilee Medal. Thrilled to have you here, Andrew. Thanks for coming. Well, thanks for having me on, Tony. Yes. Uh, of course, I see you around. We've known each other yeah, yeah, for, for, for a time and, and uh, bump into you at the community events, which yeah. is great. Um so uh, this topic here, speculation tax, is so much for us to talk about. Yep. Um, but let's start with um, let's start with the state of the province as far as this whole 
real estate thing is mm-hmm. concerned. It's a real estate show here, right? Yeah, right. Um, so uh, tell us about your thoughts. Yeah, so I mean, we've been, uh, it's, it's, it's a personal interest of mine. I spent a lot of time on this file, um, both uh, under the BC Liberal government and now in the minority position we're at. Uh, you know, about five years ago, I was raising the flag in the legislature about affordability crisis, the out of control market in Vancouver. Uh, and there was a very strong speculative market. Uh, we're seeing some of the consequences of that here in Victoria now as people leave Vancouver and come here. And nothing was being done. Uh, and then, you know, finally, we, we came to a, a campaign in 2017, and both the BC NDP and, and the BC Greens campaigned on affordability measures. You know, right now, it's pretty clear the market's tempered. I mean, any... any Things have changed. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So it, it's uh, particularly in, you know, the high end. So we know that the measures brought in by the BC NDP, um, some of which were a little scary. Uh, we've tempered a lot of that. We can talk, talk yeah, yeah, about so, that. So what you're talking about, the fact is, what you're talking about is the initial proposal oh, yeah. from March. Oh, it was outrageous. And it's very different to, to what it is now. Correct. Yeah. In, in March, the initial proposal was a 2% tax on, on all British Columbians in broad swaths of, of uh, around Nanaimo, Victoria, the Gulf Islands. You know, it was just outrageous. Yeah. Um, the potential effect on, on, on increasing supply, people would start selling. They did start selling. Well, it was, was quite worrisome. So we, we've been able to, um, over the last eight months, spend a lot of time trying to focus in what the, what the, on what the intent was. It's now called a speculation and vacancy tax. What's important about that is what it always was. It wasn't really targeting speculation. It was targeting vacant homes. Mm-hmm. Now, I can get behind the idea, like other jurisdictions, France, Florida, et cetera, where there is a social cost to, that, it, that, is, 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 uh, that arises if you buy up homes and leave them vacant. Mm-hmm. Uh, that social cost can be internalized uh, in, in, through a small price. So, so what we've been able to get is from this... Two percent to a very, very, very uh, focused approach, where it's a half a percent treating Canadians equally, um, focused in just the urban areas, and and there's a ton of exemptions that have come in, including exemptions for development of land, which was critical. Uh, exemptions in terms of spousal uh, spousals li- working in different locations, medical issues, uh, exemptions for no rental clauses, and on and on and on. So that that's been a lot of work, and I feel in a good place right now, um, where we've got uh, it, particularly in the light of the fact that NDP have agreed to a couple of further amendments. To it. Yeah, well, a lot of work has gone into this. Oh, so. Hundreds of hours. Hundreds of hours. Yeah, and that, this is possibly something that people haven't really seen uh, on the outside. No, what people would have seen is the initial, um, I mean, when, when the budget was announced, uh, John Horgan, Premier, and Carol James, Finance Minister, stood up and said it wouldn't affect British Columbians. Uh, well, you know, it did. In fact, it really did. And so uh, then the March, uh, then there was the initial intentions paper, which was then subsequently changed again uh, in uh, March or so to, to temper some of the, uh, the initial uh, uh, um, things that were brought forward. And then there was negotiations on that because even that was still... You know, it was it was just outrageous, um, and, and its effects. So, so, you know, I think this is an example of of where minority governments can actually work. Is that um, we provide a, a role? We recognize we have a responsibility as three MLAs not to abuse that the responsibility that's been given us. So, we believe our role is to pull government policy towards the middle to ensure that you know it, it we're they're challenging them to deal with the actual issue they meant to deal with we didn't want this to be a money grab uh, we wanted the money to actually that was raised to, this internalization of that social externality to be used in local communities but there also needed to be a means and the ways for mayors to engage the minister and her to justify directly based on metrics whether it goes forward you know 
I'm not really worried um, uh, uh, that this will have a large impact. You know, if you if you get into the weeds, you'll see that if you just buy if you buy a home. Um, you're exempt the first year uh, of the purchase, and then every 10 years there's a clause that allows you to use, choose one of 10 years to opt out for some reason. So that's basically two years, and in two years a lot can happen. Uh, you know, we, we see, as you will know as a realtor, you, the, the market is tempering. Mm-hmm. Uh, we know in Victoria there's a ton of supply coming on stream, uh, and so, you know, this gives the opportunity to, it, you know, it's there and it can be examined moving forward. Got it. We're here with uh, Dr. Andrew Weaver. Of course, Andrew is the leader of the uh, Green Party of British Columbia. We're talking about the uh, speculation tax. Um, You mentioned a moment ago uh, about uh, uh, um, municipalities and uh, being able to spend that money locally. Of course, uh, a couple months ago at the uh, uh, UBCM, uh, the mayors uh, had voted uh, to be able to have the ability to uh, either opt out of the program mm-hmm. uh, uh, and also to be able to use the monies collected from the speculation tax uh, within their own jurisdiction. But that is something that the um, that the, gov- the B.C. government uh, uh, did not agree with, right? Correct. And so, you know, that was uh, brought forward by the um, uh, District of Oak Bay that had the motion and uh, Stu Young from Langford uh, brought in an amendment that uh, was that t- together uh, was supported unanimously. Um, the 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 what we did is we recognized that we, we, we basically, you know, I, I, I had a lot of time for that. I, I think it's, we, we were able to bring that towards a compromise in the negotiations with the government that, uh, you know, the, the money will now stay locally, that that is going to happen. Uh, the government is, that's coming through an amendment that uh, will be brought forward this week. It's, I can't make it public yet because it, it requires us to work with the legislative drafters. Mm-hmm. It's taking a lot of time. So it, we'll put it on the order papers as soon as it's ready so people can see it publicly before it's debated. The other one with respect to the mayors, uh, the minister was adamant that this was not, that, that there needed to be a, um, a, uh, uh, a process in place that allowed government some control here. Uh, at the, so, but we, we you know, municip- municipalities may be able to opt in as well. So that's also part of this. Uh, oh, interesting. Oh, yeah, we, we might oh, see yeah. that in some communities. So, yeah. uh, so now uh, we've got it to uh, uh, an annual meeting, but not just an annual meeting where they can sit and ignore. One focused on metrics. The minister must justify using metrics like uh, vacancy rates, like affordability rates, and the, and and uh, to moving forward to continue it in place. Look, some local, uh, I, I look at the, uh, the area I represent, Oak Bay. Oak Bay Gordon Head. Um, some of the data there would have, there's a, there's a, 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 essentially, uh, officially, no secondary suites in Oak Bay because mm-hmm. Oak Bay doesn't allow them. Yes. Um, you and I both know that there's tons of secondary suites that are there that are not actually so-called legal secondary suites. Non-conforming. Suite. Non-conforming, yeah. right. Yeah. So, 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 you know, there's data that needs to be collected to allow, you know, local governments to actually pitch their case, uh, you know, uh, that, that there is an issue there and and so that's what we're hoping to uh, what will happen on an annual basis you know and that's one of those questions that has come up because uh, that was the finance minister's uh, uh, concession was well yeah. they can report every year yes. and uh, we can we can determine where we're at and and the question is I mean what you just mentioned the metrics you yes. know uh, vacancy rates and, and all kind of stuff but you know we, we hear so much about um, the fact that there was not a lot of consultation with a lot of mm-hmm. organizations so you know uh, even from the uh, um, uh, local municipal pol- politician side because yep. I've spoken to many there's been conversation about well they weren't listening to us now before so why would they listen to us now yeah that's, that's a great point and so I, I will say that the, the city of Victoria 
did ask for enabling legislation to implement a vacancy tax. They actually called upon it. The District of Oak Bay um, was was, uh, very helpful in terms of bringing that motion forward on behalf of all local governments. District of Saanich raised concern and passed motion, and their concern, again, was about money being spent locally. Uh, uh, The the Minister of Finance will basically put this together in the February budget, wanting to deal with affordability. It happened very quickly. Yeah, frankly, I don't think she thought it through. And uh, and, and, frankly, well, it's clear that they hadn't thought it through because it was, you know, a theoretical academic idea that was mentioned in the budget that clearly when you're saying British Columbians aren't affected publicly, you haven't thought through. And therein lies the the efforts that we've put in with the ministry is is by, you know, I've met with representatives of the Real Estate Association, UDI, I've met with builders, I've met with residents associates, on and on and on. I mean, you know, one of the things that's changed now, as you'll see from where it was to where it is, is uh, it was outrageous that um, you would be charged a speculation tax if you had a property yeah. that was vacant, but the strata unit that it was in had a no rental clause. Correct. Well, yeah. <laughs> so, Andrew, listen, uh, hold that thought because uh, we got to take a break. We're here with uh, Andrew Weaver, leader of the Green Party of BC. We'll be back in just a moment. Now, the whole home show with Tony Joe on CFAX 1070. Thanks for coming back. You're listening to The Whole Home Show, and I'm Tony Joe. Our show is brought to you every week in part by Denise Webster, mortgage broker with Dominion Lending Services Modern Mortgage Group, Carrie Augustini, insurance manager for Island Savings, and Carrie Smith, home inspector from Inspectec. If you're looking for opinions from experts in the area of insurance, mortgages, or building inspections, give Carrie, Carrie, or Denise a call. They're great people to chat with. We're talking today one-on-one with Dr. Andrew Weaver. Andrew is uh, the he's MLA for Gordon Head Oak Bay and leader of the Green Party of British Columbia. Andrew, again, thanks for coming. Oh, it was a pleasure. I forgot to mention earlier on, you are a uh, born Victorian. You were I born here. Born in... You went to Oak Bay High, I right? did. 1979 yeah. grad class of Oak Bay. Yeah, and you went away for a little bit. Yeah, uh, I, we... Um, as people do here. Yeah, I came back in 1992. Okay. Um, basically left um, in 79. I went away to University in Edinburgh. Came back, did a couple of years at UVic, graduated, and then left till 92. And, you know... We all know that this is the most beautiful place in the world well, to live. I, actually, this, so this is the thing because you, I, I, I'm presuming yeah. that you had the, you know, with your academia and 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 all of the the the, the things that you had achieved, you could have chosen to live anywhere. Right? Well, I uh, when I was uh, I was faculty at McGill, and uh, at that time it was a, it was an untenured. So I was I was on a, what's called a university research fellowship, and I had three offers at the time. One was MIT, um, which was substantially higher uh, yeah. pay than UVic. One was Miguel, that to tenure track, and UVic, which was the lowest paid. But like, who doesn't want to live here? This, you know, the, the joke at UVic uh, for many years is the faculty were some of the lowest paid in the country. And the reason is because, you know, this one of our strategic assets. We are, who, we want to live here. People are, yeah. this is such a beautiful part of the world. Um, it's uh, a lovely community to be part of. And, and, you know, I've traveled and lived in Australia and England and Scotland and Eastern Canada. I've traveled all over the world. Yeah. We got it all here. So Well, and but therein lies one of our biggest drawbacks here uh, on the West coast because the reality is almost everyone we talk to has come from another place right there's very people who were born i'm born and raised here yeah i know you were born here uh uh, i raised for a bit but you came back right um but people generally choose to come to victoria um unlike other places i always bring up winnipeg Right. I got people, family in Winnipeg. I totally understand okay, it. All right. <laughs> um, but you know what? When you, when you live in a place that that people choose to be here, um, especially when you're geographically constrained, yep. you know, you got water on three sides. We're not a very big town as far as uh, you know square uh, right. kilometers. Um, 
that's what that's when property values start going up. Yeah, exactly. So, so, but there, therein lies, you know, we, there is a challenge, both um, a local government challenge as well as the kind of population challenge. That the challenge for local government, of course, is uh, grappling with densification because mm. uh, you know there, there's always competing needs in Oak Bay, for example. That the population of Oak Bay is declining, the but yet the size of the homes are are increasing and the occupancy of these homes is decreasing. So, you know, there's a, it's a real challenge for Oak Bay, uh, given the pressures that exist. Uh, Saanich has, has, is, is now moving towards densification quite aggressively, and you see lots being bought and sp- uh, split in half. Uh, it, again, it is, it is a challenge. And, and so I don't, I don't know that the market's ever going to really drop uh, here profoundly in Victoria, but We'll see. Well, and but that is the hope yeah. of some of these measures. The hope was, you know, in, in fact, there are sound bites of the finance minister saying that the intention was to reduce property values uh, in these areas. And, um, you know, I, I, I've always found it hard to believe that um, uh, government would would try to do it. Because, you know, most of the people that we serve are like yeah. seniors who have all their equity in a property. Yeah. And they will ultimately end up passing it along to the kids or yep. their heirs or whatever. So um, if this works and equity is eroded, they have less to spend and less to give so away. Right? That's one of the, the reasons why we were quite um, involved in, in trying to temper this. Is Initially, it would have, I think, been quite... Uh, um, I would like use the word catastrophic in terms of sudden mass increase in supply without with depleting demand because of as we all know uh, federally the, the there's been a higher stress test and interest rates are going up so yes. demand is dropping uh, because of that um, and but to, if you throw on a bunch of supply we can look at Scottsdale and Arizona and things like that yeah. we didn't want to go there I, I I do believe that the market uh, was overheated I think most people real- I, I don't think anyone no, disagrees gonna, yeah. with that one and, yeah. and I think this measure is uh, the What's eventually come through this whole process, I think, is an instrument that has cooled off uh, a, a market as opposed to um, causing a mass influx of supply. So I, I'm, I feel quite confident, given all the measures that are now in place that the minister has listened to, that, that this will allow, in essence, allow incomes to catch up somewhat. Mm-hmm. It may create, hopefully, a little more supply in the rental market combined with measures to allow uh, universities to increase capacity. What would be nice is to push rental rates up from, you know, above uh, zero, is, yeah. zero point whatever percent it is. Yeah. Uh, that needs to go up. And that's one of the best ways, one of the things that I hope to uh, discuss, my colleague Adam Olson from yeah. Saanich Northern Islands and I have been working uh, and discussing on is is looking at as an option what they do in Ontario. In Ontario, um, in, as a means to deal with uh, some of the affordability issues, they removed the ability of stratas to have no rental clauses in yes. the stratas, but they empower strata with the right of eviction. So that strata is empowered with eviction. Oh, uh, not left to the landlord. Correct, because yeah. if you have an absentee landlord that's renting out. Doesn't care. Doesn't care. That so, so that is one thing that might, I mean, that would actually increase property value of, of some of these condos. At the same time, it would increase supply for rental. You know, it's something to explore. I think, you know, my colleague Adam Olson is leading that file. And, you know, I think uh, uh, he, he, he's interested in that as well. And, and, and uh, you know, there's some crazy cases, like some stratas allow X percent yeah. of their, Percent, yeah, yeah, and then there's everyone's fighting because I I'm next in the queue to rent. I mean, this is uh, Ontario does not allow short-term rentals. Of course, it, it says that it still can Stratus can still say no short-term rentals, yeah. but it, it it says no year-long con- leases or or, or so you can't say no to that. But we're here with Andrew Weaver. He's the MLA for uh, Gordon Head Oak Bay, talking about this this whole um, Stratus having 
the power. Actually, I, I haven't heard of this, and yeah. I think this is uh, I think this is quite innovative because I used to live in a strata in Fairfield, yeah. and there was a no rental restriction there. Uh, there were a couple of owners who, for some reason, uh, you know, they, they couldn't live there anymore because right. there was no pets too, no kids. Yeah, right? yeah. Uh, so, but they couldn't rent them. Yeah. And some of the uh, other owners, you know, their opinion was, oh, you know, uh, tenants don't they don't contribute to the building. Right. And I, I think that if the strata had the power, yeah. um, it would have been a very different story because I can remember two of those owners ended up selling under distress. Yeah. And they didn't have to. Right. Yeah. So and that, that that could have been a nice nest egg for them uh, in the future if they and rented those, it out. Uh, yeah. And those those would have been two more rental units. Yeah. That yeah. ended up they just ended up staying in the ownership pool. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Very so, interesting. So so I mean this is it's it's not a new idea. Ontario does it, and so in it it is a way to get increased supply. You know, my my daughter lived in a in a in a condo that had a, a no rental clause, and and when she moved out, of course, she had to sell. Had to sell. Yeah. So. Yeah. Uh, very interesting. Um, now, the other thing that you talked about a moment ago is uh, in, in your own writing of Oak Bay uh, about how uh, things are shifting and things mm-hmm. have changed there. Um, yeah, they're big houses. Um, we see uh, developments like um, a Bowker. Yeah, uh, the abstract developments there, yeah. um, and there was resistance there. It's but still very controversial. It, it is um, yeah. now. Abstract developments has done well because they've yeah. they've sold them all, and that I understand. Most of the interest there uh, came from people that want to stay in the neighborhood. They had okay. these larger homes; uh, they're ready to downsize because there's very limited supply yeah. of of this higher density in Oak Bay, right? Yeah. So that, that's a challenge that the new council will have to to deal with because there is there's competing pressures. Uh, you know, some want Oak Bay not to change. Others yeah. want Oak Bay to, you know, have a- access for workforce housing. You know, it's really t- it's like difficult you, with the economics. Right. Thing. Like a United yeah. Church has a proposal going forward. It's also controversial. And 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 again, um, I think we'll, we'll we'll see how the new council uh, handles it. I I have a, had a historically very good working relationship with Oak Bay Council and Sandwich Council, and and I'm you know excited by the you know the to continue that. Uh, and I know all the players there. It's uh, it'll be good. Great. Uh, we're here with uh, Dr. Andrew Weaver. He is the leader of the Green Party of British Columbia. We're going to take a, a quick break. When we come back, we're going to continue our conversation about uh, what's happening in real estate affordability and the speculation tax here in British Columbia. Back in just a moment. This is The Whole Home Show with Tony Joe on CFAX 1070. Hi there, I'm Tony Joe. Thanks for coming back. You're listening to The Whole Home Show. We're talking about uh, housing, affordability, the speculation tax in British Columbia, and a number of other things. I have in the studio with us right now uh, a born Victorian, uh, went to Oak Bay High. Uh, he is the um, MLA representative for Gordon Head Oak Bay and the leader of the Green Party of British Columbia. You know, my wife's also from Victoria. Oh, she is? Uh, she went to Vic High. Okay. And uh, she's a grad 1980 from Vic High. So we met at UVic as an undergrads. There we go. We're here with uh, Dr. Andrew Weaver again. Thank you very much for coming. Um, so we've been talking about a number of things. We talked about uh, um, uh, the speculation tax and about all the changes that have occurred between when it was first introduced in March. By the way, um, uh, we had in our studio here several weeks back uh, Andrew Wilkinson. Oh yeah. Uh, and of course, the Liberal Party uh, position has been that uh, they feel it wasn't well researched, you know, in its early stages. Uh, I think in a in, in a I way. I don't disagree with that. Yeah, yeah. Th- there's an agreement on that there, um, and how things have changed. And by the way, I have also been in communication 
with the finance minister's yeah. office um, about coming here as well, too, because yeah. I'd love to have somebody uh, talk about it. Uh, I'd like all of the yeah. uh, the parties to discuss it here on our program because it's a very important thing. Yeah. I, I tell you, with um, Mr. Wilkinson, I've been very disappointed, though, because uh, rather than they didn't offer solutions and this is what is lacking is that you know we know that there's a real issue here an affordability crisis uh, and that ha- solutions have to be there the liberals have criticized but they haven't said what they do you know it, they, they mr wilkinson claims that he put in a private members bill which would require uh, in the pre-sale of condos if you flipped your contract pre-sale contract you'd have to declare 50 percent of the profit you made on the flip as personal as income well you know it's the most outrageous private members bill i've ever heard of because right now you already have to claim a hundred percent as capital gains. Mm-hmm. So, so like it's just, it's just you know, it's almost, uh, it's almost laughable at at what they were. You know, they understand basic economics. You know, if you make a capital gains profit profit by flipping a contract, you're de- you, you're required by decl- to declare it. All his bill would have done is required to declare it as income instead of capital gains. It made no sense, and that somehow is their solution to nothing. Right. And, and and that they have a responsibility. They were in government for 16 years. They have a responsibility to say what they would do if they don't like what the NDP are doing. Mm-hmm. And that's the role we take, is that I didn't like what the NDP was doing on this. Um, my colleagues were, were with me on this. So we worked very hard to try to improve it. Um, Instead of, you know, it's really easy to criticize. What's much more difficult is to be constructive in your... Well, I I think it was a bit of a surprise because I think most had thought that uh, the Green Party would have opposed um, uh, the tax until recently when... Mm -hmm. uh, uh, when it, when you supported it, right? We well, we have uh, so so. Uh, I was very public with this back in when it was first announced. I've said all along this is uh, uh, so. This is the hard work. Is it's about you oppose what was on the table. Mm-hmm. Uh, what what the hard work was was actually getting it to a position where you could support it. I mean, look at the change. We had well, c- well the finance minister uh, almost always seemed to make it very clear that there were that it was going to be there. Like they they were not going to accept any other sort it, of and. Yeah, and so so and and again, we, we what our discussions focused on the shared values. Both the BC Greens and the BC NDP recognized that affordability was an issue. Mm-hmm. Um, we have worked very hard, both on the rental task force. My colleague Adam Olson is on that with Spencer Chandra Hebert. Uh, their recommendations should be imminent. Uh, so my, he he's been working tirelessly on that rental task force um, as a Spencer Chandra Hebert from Vancouver West End. And and my uh, I was working on the spec tax to get it to a position that was razor focused onto very specific um, issues. I mean, a half a percent. Uh, for everybody leaving a home vacant, you, you think of a, a million dollar home. Mm-hmm. Initially, when when the, it would have been going to be twenty thousand bucks yeah. like, annually, annually like, in like, addition uh, to their property taxes, outrageous. Yeah. Yeah. And and that uh, so, and and now a million dollar home would be five thousand, yeah. and you can exempt one year every ten years, and if you buy it, your first year is exempted, and there's so many exemptions. If you buy the land and you're developing it, you're exempted until it's you know finally sold. Mm-hmm. So 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 now it's got to a position where the impact is is much more focused on the, the, the desired uh, because that that land one that you just mentioned yeah. of course the problem was if there was that uh, vacancy tax uh, continually continuously on that property till yeah. it was sold yeah. the cost would end up being passed down to the consumer exactly anyways, right? exactly so you imagine a, a developer I mean UDI came out uh, you know uh, they were you know less 
concerned after that was taken out and, that, and they put out a press statement on that. It's exactly, I'm a developer. Uh, I'm building a set of affordable condos. So I purchased the land. I'm sitting waiting for a year to get the approval from local council. I get the approval. I start the construction. It takes another year or a year and a half to build it. Yeah. Then I start to sell them. And we're not talking a million dollars. No, we're talking, property, yeah, right? we're talking 10 million. Yes. So, so now you're talking $200,000. Yes. And, and where's that money going to go? The developer's not going to eat that. He's going to pass it right on to the, the consumer. Yeah, exactly. So. Yeah, very interesting. Well, you, you know, it's it's interesting because on the way into the uh, the studio here, you and I were talking a little yeah. bit, and I, I have to say, I, as a real estate practitioner and one who's been doing this for a long time here in Victoria, um, I, first of all, I, I have never agreed with the concept of the fact that we're being overrun by foreign buyers. Mm. Uh, I am also not in agreement with this whole, uh, there's vacant houses all over the place. I haven't seen them. You know, you get these conjectural stories from people saying, oh, my neighbor, you know, sold and the house is empty and everything. Um, we are not being overrun by foreigners here. Mm. The, I, I've said so before, the foreigners, in my estimation, are the people from Vancouver. Who are coming yeah. here, right? Yeah. But they're 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 Canadians. They're BCers, right? So this this is one of the arguments we took to the BCNDP. One of the reasons why we wanted this focus largely in, in Metro Vancouver is the issue. Um, there are two things that are being addressed here. There is the issue of satellite families. Um, this tar this this spec tax does target the, the the family who you know there may be somebody working in some jurisdiction. Let's pick Belize for the sake of a just mm -hmm. uh, and so the, the 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 perhaps one of the spouses is working in Belize. And earning, you know, owns a massive factory, earning millions of dollars in Belize. Their primary primary residence yeah. there pays no tax in BC, yeah. but the ch uh, the other spouse and children live here. Um, you know, use it, going to school, uh, paying municipal taxes, but accessing our health care, declaring you know Canadian tax of all know, twenty board. bucks. It's all all legal, yep. but but declaring Canadian tax of like nothing. Um, so so the argument is that there's a, and, and living in a ten million dollar home. Th these are real stories, in uh, particularly in Point Grey and uh, yeah. you know. Honesty. Um, so, and some in the uplands too. So the, the idea here is, okay, look, you know, there's a social cost. You're you're not paying taxes in BC. You're, it's, there's nothing illegal about this. You're paying elsewhere. Mm -hmm. um, but the social cost is that you you're you're accessing the services that you're not paying for. So that's part of the. Uh, and so we've supported that all the way through. I've supported that aspect of it. Um, you're right. I, I completely agree. I mean, that we know that the the the, the so-called foreign buyers are it was was a largely Vancouver uh, correct focus yeah. and the. Nanaimo, Kelowna, Victoria issues were were basically people as from a result Vancouver. of Vancouver. Correct. Yeah. So 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 moving people moving here. Um, so so you know again, uh, we'll, we'll see how this thing moves down. And but it, it seems that a lot of these measures uh, have have uh, taken place because of things that have happened in Vancouver. Yes. Right. Not only uh, you know the speculation tax we're talking about here from the real estate industry, things like the changes in uh, real estate council rules and yes. all that. There's well, that was a mess. Bad eggs that happened yeah. in Vancouver, and you know what? It's all for the uh, the betterment of the consumer. That yes. makes sense, right? So I, you know, the real estate change. There's another one. The um, dual agency yeah. uh, issue is still uh, having troubles with that. There, again. <laughs> government response this was liberal government at the time ndp just followed through with the, yeah. super, the superintendent that oversee was a liberal construct uh in a lead up to election I, my own view is that uh, a sledgehammer was applied to a prob a sledgehammer that was hit all across bc yeah. was applied because of a few examples in, in vancouver, vancouver again yeah. where you know nefarious activity was going on and it wasn't being dealt with so so again I'm not a big fan of hitting hitting everybody with a sledgehammer if you know what the problem is. So 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 I but again I think the measures government has introduced have been tempered. 
uh, I think it's one of the successes of a minority government is that we, we've been bringing these, exactly this discussion, bringing it directly to the minister. Uh, the minister's listened, which, you know, a lot of time for, for Carol James. She, she didn't have to listen. She could have rammed it through, but she believes in collaboration and consultation as well. And, and I think we're in a better place than we were back in February. It's not perfect. It's not what we would have done, mm-hmm. but, but, we, but we could pick up our bat and ball and say, okay, this is a budgetary issue, issue you, election happening, so, downfall. But that, how does that advance good public Yeah, policy? so, you know, and, and I think where I was also going, uh, um, you know, when I was talking about how all these, there's no, pro, there's no real problems. No. See, I, personally, I, I may not agree with speculation tax, but I also believe that it may not have as big an impact in our local economy here as, as people may feel about it. Yeah, I heard you on, on, uh, you, uh, on Mark Brennick, and you, you had a, re- uh, it was last week or two weeks ago or three, mm-hmm. I can't remember now, but it was, uh, the, your sentiments there reflected my sentiments, and I, what you just said there, I agree. I think that the speculation, I don't agree with it. Mm-hmm. It's not what we would have done, um, but I am not government. I am, I, I am there to, to temper it, and I think that the way we've tempered it is it will have a, it will not have a catastrophic effect. It will. It'll be a little more razor focused or, or laser focused in uh, a few key areas, and it might have a, a few issues here and there. But but I think a lot of the hoopla um, is is being medicated. And you know, this yeah. a couple of weeks from now, people will wonder what all the fuss was about. Yeah, I, I do want I do want to mention a story here. I, I think I brought it up here before. So I've had clients. I've had Albertan clients yeah. who have sold. Yeah, and they had. And these are people of wealth. And, you know, the argument's always, well, these people have money, they can afford to give their fair share, you know, they should be paying taxes, whatever. They can, right? But as a result of the announcement of the speculation tax, they and all of their affluent uh, friends have said, forget this. B.C. doesn't want us. We can go somewhere else. Yeah. So I, I've heard these stories too, and the, the worst thing about that happened mm. is the uncertainty that was thrown into the market when the February budget announced and March information yes. sheet came out. That uncertainty created chaos, yeah. and it led to – I know lots of stories too. I'm sure you, um, some people have contacted both you, and your, yeah. your clients may have actually emailed you. Yep. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, 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 but I think, again, we'll see a temperance of that. Uh, in light of the fact that now people can see what's there, they see that it's you know a half percent British Columbians, Canadians, same thing. That you know there's so many exemptions now, and there's the, that one every ten year exemption, and and on and on and on. So the, so I I think people will will be a little more uh, and 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 the communications. I mean, it's really about trying to internalize the social cost that is created when property is less vacant, and and and, and saying you know we do want you here, mm-hmm. but but you know like Florida or like France. Or we're going to ask you to, to to pay a little bit more because there is a social cost, and 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 your house is vacant, and, and we we don't have a lot of land here. So you know we want you here, but there's a little little cost to this. You know what? It would be so great to see some more incentives out there, and this would be a, more of a federal thing, I yeah. think. But uh, more incentive for developers and people to build more rental housing, and it's not cheap. Um, you know, even if the land was free, the yep. cost of construction, development and everything, it is, uh, you know, we need more of that. Here. Totally agree. I mean, look at the rental stock we have in places like Victoria. This was federal programs back in the 60s yeah. and 70s. We had a ton of four-story built buildings built. They yeah. were all built when, when such incentives were. And they were incentives. Yeah. And they're still here now, but some of them are converting to condos. And, yeah. and no, I, I, com- I completely agree. Goodness. Well, uh, Andrew, uh, thank you very much for coming. Um, great conversation. I think it's important for people to, to hear all the points. Yeah, I agree. 
of, of this conversation. Yeah. Uh, if people need to reach you, the best ways to reach your uh, your office. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, which one would that be? So that would be the the best one is if they're residents of around the my kids did office and yeah. the uh, the office is uh, you know if you go to andrewweavermla.ca yeah. or you you know you you email andrew.weaver.mla at ledge, L-E-G dot B-C dot C-A, you can contact us through there. Very good. Well, listen, I appreciate uh, whenever somebody gets elected, you have a job to do, and uh, I, I respect all of the effort that you and your team and everyone put in uh, to all these things, because they're not simple decisions. They are not. Uh, and it's really for the people, right? Thank you. Yeah, yeah, thank you for coming, and to our listeners, thanks for listening. We'll be here for you this time next week.